John chapter 15, the message is entitled, The Family Business. You know Italians in the family, don't you? You know Italians in the family? Okay. John chapter 15 is an unusual chapter for many reasons, and it would take a long time to go through it all, but I want to hit the highlights of this. So let's read it together. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, as I read these verses, these first 11 verses, I want you to see if you spot a word that sticks out above others, okay? I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Go ahead. Yeah. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the father, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear fruit more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And I'll get to that a little later. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch. It dries up. They gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I don't like that verse at all. If you abide in me, I love this verse. It's one of those but verses. If, but if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... That's another but verse. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Anybody catch a word that was used over and over and over again? What was it? Anybody catch that? Abide. In 11 verses, it was used 10 times. I think there's a significance to what God is trying to say. This is a family business. Now, I don't know if you've ever, anybody ever see a vineyard, a, a great vineyard? Have you ever seen it? Okay. I'm a, I'm a little boy. I'm living back in Cortland, New York. My mother has two sisters, no, no brothers. And two of my uncles had Gardens. All the Italians had gardens. We grew everything. I mean, seriously. Really? Okay. Both of my uncles had grapes in their gardens. I would go there. Mom would take us there. And we'd go to the backyard, and you'd go through an arch. We don't have an arch anywhere here. We'd go through an arch, okay? And the arch had vines growing up like this. Grape vines. That's what I thought grape vines are supposed to be. So all growing up, that's all I knew about a grapevine is that my uncle had an arch. And grapes grew up this side of the arch, grapes grew up this side of the arch. 
That was my concept of a vineyard. Arch. I was in California, and I was taking a family in California on a trip. They needed a, a driver, and uh, I was helping this particular family out. And we were going past Stockton and into the foothills there in, in California. And we were driving by, and I looked out to this crazy field. And I thought, what in the world is that? Look at those, look at those crazy plants. The stalk was coming up, and it was bent over going this way. And another stalk and bent over going this way. There were wires going, and there was stuff all. And the guy looked at me and said, this is a grape vineyard. A what? That's not an arch. That's not my uncle's backyard. Row after row of these stems coming up and, 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 things, and branches going this way on wires. So that I had never seen a grape vine orchard in my life. Shock. Jesus says in verse 1, I am the true vine. Okay. And my father is the vine dresser. I have a question. What's the question to this first verse? I am the true vine. What's the question? Come on. What's the question? I am the true vine. There's a question here. Is there a false vine? Oh. Who is the false vine? Satan. And it's his job. He tries to copy everything that Jesus does. He tries to copy everything that Christians do. He's got his own little church of people doing this, that, and the other thing all over the world. And he's trying to be a copycat to what Jesus is. He is a false vine. And we cannot allow ourselves to fall into the trap of a copycat. They're false. It's his job. The false Vine. It's his job to fool us. It's his job to ruin us. It's his job to make us think he is real. It's his job to get us to abide in him. Grapevines, huh? Jesus said in verse 1 that God the Father is the vine dresser. Well, let's talk about God the Father. God the Father. Godfather. Mm, God, remember the Godfather? Family business. Jesus says that God the Father is the vine dresser, which means he's responsible for something. He has a job to do. God the Father has the job of checking the branches for fruit. I have a question. I have a lot of questions. You know me by now. Is it okay if God checks us out? Or would you say, oh, God, just leave me alone, God. I, I go to church on Sunday. Just, the rest of the week is my business. It is God's job to check out the branches for fruit. He cares for the branches. He, he checks for pests. He's in the pest control business, spiritually. He's in the irrigation business. He makes sure that the vines get the water and the, and the branches are pruned properly. He prunes the bad branches because he expects good fruit. Some of you that drive around the city in Vegas, you notice many of the park areas and so forth, they have uh, city uh, landscapers, they come and there's these beautiful bushes and they have, they have a, a shape to them. There are two of them in front of your post office. I saw them this morning coming in. It's the first time I've ever seen them. And they have a nice shape to them, right? And every once in a while, you'll have little shoots stick up 
And it doesn't look right, does it? And somebody comes along and goes, clip, clip, and all of a sudden, there's that nice shape again. That's what God does when he prunes. Because he wants you in shape to produce what is needed around you. This community needs to know that this church is being pruned by Almighty God. He is the vine dresser. He takes care of the pest control. He takes care of what should or shouldn't be done to the vines so that the vines can give better fruit. God becomes intimate and familiar with these branches. He checks for our position, for the sun's rays. Are we getting the right value of the sun? Are we in the right position to get all of that nurture that we need from the S-U-N and the S-O-N? We're talking spiritual here. Jesus is the source. He's the vine. He's the source of spiritual growth. And God is looking out for his son. And God is looking out for us. I have another question. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Verse 2. What does God see in me or you that needs pruning? Oh, I don't want to get personal. I don't need to. Because this is a personal issue between you and God, between me and God. But he comes along and he looks at us. And he said, you know, I see that little thing sticking up. Rick, I'll clip it. And all of a sudden God clips it and there's that nice shape to Rick's head. What does he see in you? What does he see in me that he says, I, I need to take a little attention here and I need to go there and I just need to just prune just a little bit. It's a personal thing. It's something that you don't expose to me and I don't expose to you. It's you, between you and God. It should be personal. And you should allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you in such a way that when the, the Lord comes with those pruning scissors, you don't go, oh, you know, he's just going to do the right clip. And all of a sudden, everything's gone, and it looks nice and neat, and the fruit gets better and better and better. What does he see in us? See, pruning equals good fruit. No pruning equals bad fruit. Question, any bad fruit in your life? Any bad fruit in my life? Do you know that there are bad preachers? Did you know that? I'm serious. Do you know that there are liars in the pulpit? Do you know that there are preachers in the pulpit who want your money? True story. True story. I only tell true stories. They're better than any you can make up. I was a, a very young man, very young. Kids, kids were small. And I was watching this Christian television program. I can't remember the man's name for the life of me. He sat in front of the television camera and he yelled at us, those of us who were watching that program. Do you know how much I need to keep this program going? Well, you better understand. You better get ready right now. And he swore. He swore. GD. He used those two words. He said, you write that check for $2,500 right now, and you put it in the mail right now. I'm going, who do you think you are? He's dead. We have to be careful about what we see and what we feel and what we hear and who we're listening to. And God is saying, I'll prune that bad stuff. I'll get it out of your life. 
I'll take care of those bad preachers because we can't mix the bad with the good. It won't work. The church won't grow if you mix the bad with the good. Somebody say amen. amen. We need to know that it's the job of the vine dresser, the Godfather, to keep us clean and neat so that what we produce is good fruit. Bringing more fruit. Folks, that's what this church is about. If I know anything else, I know that. This church is interested in more fruit. This church is interested in more souls. This church is interested in victory. You are interested in seeing your families, family members live for Jesus Christ. You are interested in seeing your neighbors, those whom you associate with your business or whatever. You are interested in seeing them come to Jesus and only they will come if there's fruit in you. And there will be fruit in you if you let God prune and clip and snip and shape you just like he wants you. Because once you're shaped the way he wants you and they look at you, they see something they don't have and they decide, I better get in touch with what's going on. Any bad fruit in your life? Let God prune it because it brings off more fruit. This church knows what it means to be pruned. And we'll let God prune us day after day after day, week after week, that we may bring more fruit. Well, in verse 3, Jesus talks about you're already clean, and I'll, just re I'll refer to, the, to another chapter. You remember, in fact, I preached this several weeks ago, where Jesus decided he was going to uh, wash the, the, uh, the disciples' feet. Do you remember that? And he gets up and he girds himself with a towel and he's got a basin and he's got a rag and he says, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter said, oh no, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash my feet, you have no part with me. And Peter said, well then wash all of me. You remember that? Well, Jesus is referring there in verse 3, you're already clean. What he was saying to Peter was, I don't need to give you a shower. I just need to clean the dirt off of your feet. Because every day you walk in dirt piles of this, that, or the other thing, just in normal getting through your day of life. And you may mess up, and that's okay. I'll just clean you up a little bit, and you'll be just fine. He is saying here in verse 3, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. You know that you love God. God knows that you love him. You're here because you love him. You're here because you want more of him. You're here because he's the one that can clip and clean and clean the feet off, spiritually speaking, so that we're getting that daily cleansing that we need every single day. Verse 4 says, and this is important, abide in me. Well, did you notice it doesn't say abide with me? It says abide in me. That's a choice. I had to make that choice as a young man. You had to make that choice. Abide in me, verse 4, and I in you. Okay? I want him to live in me, and he wants me to live in him. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We don't understand sometimes the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know you know this. I know you've had teaching before. Our scripture tells us that God the Father sits on the throne. Is that correct? Okay, he's in heaven, sits on the throne. The scripture also says that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Is that correct? And Jesus sits there 
in a glorified body, not as a spirit. He was raised in newness of life with a body. He, was, he ascended into heaven with that body. Well, I'm sorry. We keep saying Jesus lives in my heart. Really? How does a body get into your heart? That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity represents God the Father, God the Son in himself, and he comes into our life, and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit live in us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need to dig into Jesus. We need to have that power. We need to have that strength. We need to be grafted in the vine. And if you're going to graft, has anybody ever grafted anything in the vine? Anybody ever done that before? It's not a nice procedure. You have to cut a hole in the vine. Then you have to take the branch and whittle, whittle off all the, the, the bark from the branch and put that branch into that hole that you made in the vine. Then you have to put some kind of adhesive, normally wax and other stuff, to keep that branch in that vine. There has to be a process of digging a hole. And I want to tell you something. If you graft yourself into the vine, if you allow yourself to be shoved into the hole, that hole that Jesus made for you when he hung on the cross, the holes in his head from the crown, the holes in his hand, the holes in his feet, the hole in his side from the spear, if you allow yourself to be grafted into those positions which he offers you, you can bear fruit. And the devil can't cut you off of the vine. You may remember the story of Doubting Thomas. Jesus had already been resurrected. And he visited them. And Thomas didn't believe it. Oh, you can't be Jesus. And so what did Jesus do? He said, here, look at my hands. See the holes? Uh, you want to see the one on my side? You want to see the one on my feet? You have to be willing to be grafted in so that you can bear fruit. Well, verses 5 and verses 6. Interesting. You can't bear fruit on your own. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't like the next verse either. Read it. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I'm sorry, I don't like that. See, my branch needs to be so fixed into the vine that my branch will never dry up. And if I'm fixed, if I'm grafted in to the vine, then the devil can't grab hold of me and take me out of the vine. That's devastating. But see, it's my choice. I choose whether I'm going to serve God. I choose whether I'm going to let him clip me a little bit here, here and there. You know, I mean... Uh, uh, I don't know whether Crystal likes your, your mustache and your beard at all. I don't know. Does she ever come with a clipper? Don't let her get close. I mean, you know. Because she might, oh, honey, come here, honey. God takes a look at us, and he takes a look at everything that needs a little clipping. And he does it with love so that we aren't injured in the clipping. We abide in him. That's why I love verse 7. If you abide, which is my but verse, but if you abide in me, 
and my words abide in you. Oh, man. Let me finish this. Ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. Let me stop right there. If you abide in me and my words. In John chapter 1, verse 1, which I'll just quote to you. You're, you're familiar with it probably. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You remember that verse, don't you? you you've read it several times. And we go right, we, we, go, we, we read too quickly. We just speed through. In the beginning, which means the beginning of whatever. It means the beginning of before anything was done. In the beginning was the word. The word always refers to Jesus Christ. Always in scripture. He is recognized as the word. In the beginning was Jesus, the word. And the word Jesus was with God. And the word Jesus was God. And what he's saying to them in this, if you abide in me and my word, he is the word. Jesus is the word, wants to abide, wants to make his life in you, wants to come and live within you so that you know exactly what he wants moment by moment by moment. If my words abide, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. You'll receive. And by this, he says, God is glorified. Well, verse 8 God is glorified. Now, he's glorified by this that you bear much fruit. Let me, let me share something with you. We have a tendency to uh, not ask for the right things or ask for the wrong things, thinking, thinking we have the right reasons. And so people get angry with God because they think they're abiding in him. Then they start asking for things and it doesn't show up. See, I'm sorry, but you can't go to Enzo Ferrari. Do anybody know Enzo Ferrari? He's an Italian. Good Italian guy. He's the maker of the Ferrari car. I went to Google. A Ferrari sell, depending on the model, from $180,000 to $450,000. I don't think that's what God wants you to ask for, Gary. You don't like Ferraris? Oh, good. Very good. See, what are we asking for to abide in him? What are we asking for that we want him to give us? I don't think we need a Ferrari to win souls. I don't think we need this, that, or the other thing. If, if I'm abiding and the word is abiding in me, then I'm asking what I should be asking for to make the ministry what it's supposed to be so that we can bear fruit. Am I making any sense? God's will is not a Ferrari. God's will is fruit, souls. Now, however, Gary, I, I should throw this in because maybe, just maybe, if God calls you to a mission trip to Italy, maybe you should ask him for a Ferrari. Because in Italy... That you fit right in. But we're here in the valley. I don't think we need a Ferrari to show how much God loves us. I don't think we need a Ferrari to tell other people, Jesus loves you. I think we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Somebody say amen. Well, let me get out of the Ferrari. Verse 9 talks about divine love. This is unbelievable. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. God 
he is saying, Jesus is saying, my father loves me. God loves the son. The son loves us. I have also loved you. So God loves his son. Jesus, the son, loves us. How much does God love Jesus? Anybody want to tell me? Can you figure that one out? I can't. The Father loves me. I have no clue the depth of the love that God has for his son Jesus. And yet, Jesus says, I have also loved you. What he is saying is, like daddy loves me, and the power of his love, and the multitude of his love, that's how I love you. It's impossible to fathom how much that love is. But if I abide in him, listen to me, if I abide in him, I will never be lost. I'm not talking about eternal security that some denominations believe in, but I believe in eternal security. Did you hear me? Because the book says, if I stay in him, I am secure for eternity. That's what I believe in. This is what he's talking about. Abide in me. Abide in my love. Let me love you. Let me love you like daddy loves you. Let, let me become a prisoner of love. Let me keep the commandments. Verse 10. It, it, it all structures. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. Well, okay. Commandments. Abide. John 14. There are three verses. Verse 15, verse 21, verse 23. John says in, in this chapter, if you love me, Jesus is still talking, you'll keep my commandments. That's verse 15. Go to the next one, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. The next verse. Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. I love the word abode. Do you have a little apartment where God lives? That's what he's talking about. The word abode means a compartment. Do you have a, a place in your life that you built just for God? God wants to make his abode. Jesus said, we'll both come. We will come and we will make our abode. We will live in him. God, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit choose to live in us. I don't know if you can grasp that. It is the only thing that keeps me going. I know that God loves me, and I know I'm not perfect, but I know that he loves me, and I know that I don't care if he prunes, because I want to look just right. I know he'll prune for my benefit. I know that as he prunes, I'll bear much more fruit, and all of it is based on our love, our love, our love for him. Okay. In John 15, verse 16 and 17, it has to do with the brotherly love, family love, and new hope knows how to do this. You didn't choose me, Jesus said. And I need to zero in on this. You did not choose me. 
I thought I chose Jesus when I gave my heart to the Lord. You thought you chose Jesus when you gave your heart to the Lord. But in essence, Jesus was chasing after you. And he found you. You didn't choose me, he said. I chose you. New hope. God chooses us. He chooses churches who want to be involved in what he's doing. The Godhead lives in us, and we live in them. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit choose, choose to live in this apartment that I have built for him, this spiritual abode. They choose to live here. They, in fact, like the fact that they're living in a short, dark, ruggedly handsome abode. Italian. Oh, you're just too slow. The one thing I know about New Hope is we know how to love people. We've learned that. You are a blessing to people. You love God. You love souls. And I am convinced that God has chosen this church, New Hope, to be a church that is the, the skylight of ministry in this valley so that we may share with them how much God loves us and we will love them. Okay? God chose us, New Hope. He chose us. We are lovers of God. We are lovers of souls. And what we are producing, we will continue to produce. I must quit. How great is Jesus' love for the Father? Don't know. How great is God's love for the Son? Not sure. How great is their love for us? They want to abide in us. How great is our love for them? What do people see when they look at me? What do people see when they look at you, New Hope? They're looking for a vineyard. Do they see my uncle's arch in the backyard? Is that all they see? Or do they see that beautiful field of vines spaced across that wonderful area of land, the real vineyard where the fruit is? Jesus, Jesus is the true vine. We are the branches. God is the vine dresser. He's the one that takes the little clip and goes, and all of a sudden, you look beautiful again. You're the way, the shape, the way God wants you. And when they look at you, they say, ah, wow. I didn't know a Christian could look so good. I didn't know a Christian could act so good. I didn't know a Christian could love the way a Christian loves other people who don't believe like he believes. But that's what God does when he prunes. And that's what God does when we let him abide in us. We abide in him. He abides in us. And when that happens, we can glorify God. We can ask God for what we need for ministry. And God will furnish it. Somebody say amen.